With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to lock on to your favorite college and NFL prospects powered by the brand that you come to know and trust. Destination Devi, welcome to the Elite Seekers Fantasy Football Podcast. Now introducing our host, the creator of the Elite Seekers Podcast. He goes by the name of Ben Eby. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Underscore EBY. Get ready to take flight. We locked on, ladies and gentlemen. Smash that subscribe button. Let's get them trophies brought back to the hotel. Here we go. What's up, Elite Seekers? We are back for episode 13. Yes, 13 episodes already here. We are going to talk about the coaching carousel effect. This week, I really want to just talk about the impact that these coaching changes are having across college programs and prospects and how you can manage your way to victory in the Debbie and Campus to Can world if you're staying ahead of the curve. I'm super, super, super hyped up to bring back one of the most underrated Debbie and Dynasty minds in the community, the ultra-talented and ever-evolving Mr. Jordan Richards. What is up, my man? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be back. Uh, you know, it's my second time on the show. Uh, first repeat guest, I believe, which is pretty awesome. Uh, you know, always happy to have that honor. So that's dope. Honestly, man, I'm just here to talk these coaching changes because I don't think people realize how important this can be, how much it can change a program, how much it can change a certain player's situation because all coaches have different systems. That's it, man. If you are not following him already, go and make it happen right now. I don't care if you have to hit pause on this episode, whatever you got to do, make it happen. He's uber talented in design photography fields as well as just putting out one of the best non-sports related podcasts there is with his show called The Real Life Podcast with Jordan Richards. Be sure to check it out on whatever platform it is you're using. And hey, whether Jordan is making an appearance, hosting a recent video on the Destination Debbie YouTube channel, guesting on a pod, or just spitting lyrics for you on Twitter, make sure to connect with him however you can. Go DM him, blow up those DMs, doesn't matter. This guy will respond. He is out there to help you in no matter what it is. I love it. Man, we've talked about so many different life things over this past half year. And it feels like I've known you a lot longer, man. Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's crazy how this connection just has grown over time and how we've interwoven our personal lives as well. Not just fantasy, not just Top Shot, which, you know, we talk about way too much. <laughs> way too much. And we're going to talk about that here. That's, that's a whole different <laughs> episode. Pod. Maybe we do Clubhouse. <laughs> maybe we do podcast. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. well, we're, this is about fantasy football. I'm here to help you guys with fantasy football. 
but yeah, you know, I do a lot of different things. If you ever want to check me out, check out my Twitter. Most of it's there, the podcast, YouTube channel, go check it out. It's a lot of cool stuff. A lot of good information. Appreciate you having me on, Ben. Appreciate you shouting out all my stuff. Appreciate that. Let's get right into it then. We're going to jump into the first major coaching change. And this is going to be at Auburn University with their new hire. Please help me welcome the 20th head coach of the Auburn Tigers, Coach Brian Harson. He spent the last seven seasons at Boise State posting a 69 and 19 record. He was he was killing it out there. He's replacing the recently fired Gus Malzahn. And this is a big, big hire for them. I think this is big for Harson's career. This has the potential to be a really, really smart move by Auburn. What's kind of your thoughts around Harson? I know we, we touched base a little bit on his background with running backs and such. How are you feeling about this move? Just so many running backs that have come out of Boise State. Not all the most uber talented guys, but when you talk about just a system that is catered towards running the football, like that's what we want to see. And we know there's a pretty talented running back in Auburn right now. He was in a great rushing system. Tank Bigsby. So what's going to be made of his situation? When you talk about guys like Jay Ajayi, who was a great running back for a stretch in the NFL, Jerry McNichols, who was an Uber producer now playing for the Tennessee Titans, Alexander Madison, the backup running back to Dalvin Cook in the, for Minnesota, and then even players like Cedric Wilson, who we saw a little flash of this year over there for the Cowboys. So there has been players who've been talented that he's coached up, and now he has a stud running back in an exceptional program at Auburn, getting that, getting this coach, I think is going to be good for all the players involved. We saw how Gus Malzahn ran that offense. It, it wasn't great. He's mostly focused on that defense. And I think we may see a slightly better offense. And then depending on how he can recruit, potentially a revamped Auburn program heading into the next season. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious to see if, if we can bring some of that fire and excitement you see at Boise State, like they got the cool blue field and everything. But, you know, it, hopefully it's a lot easier for him to recruit some big name running backs to fall in behind Tank. As you mentioned, Tank is just an absolute star in the making. I'm really excited to see what he can do for his career with this coaching change. It, it just seems like a great fit. And sometimes, you know, it's not that Gus did bad, but sometimes you just need a change in a program. Now, the one thing that we're going to have to see from Harson is what's his staff going to look like? Are they going to have great recruiting ties? Because that's going to be a little bit different recruiting to Auburn versus recruiting to Idaho. It's a, it's a culture shock, but I believe they did their due diligence here. And, and this has the potential to be a really, really exciting hire because you got to be able to run the ball in the SEC to have a chance to slow down these powerhouse offenses. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting because I was just looking at some of the players that come out of Boise State in the past eight years, like we talked about. And it's interesting because there's a lot of ties to the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys have six players that are from Boise State on their roster. And so now we're talking about a running back by the name of Tank Bigsby Maybe there's some ties there. Maybe there's some ties and we can say, well, is Ezekiel Elliott the for sure guy? Because Tank Bigsby, he's got a couple more years left. You know, he's still going to be in college for a few years. So maybe just maybe we see a little changing in the guards. And I don't think fantasy owners would be too mad about that. Seeing Tank ended up in Dallas. What do you think, Ben? Is this a Jay Rich bomb right here? Did you just say that Tank Bigsby might be the heir apparent? to Zeke 
If so, I love it. Let's uh, mark it down. Let's put it in your notebooks. Book it. I don't even want to know the rest. Let's book it. Put it out there to the people. I'm making a tweet right now. Actually, I'm, I'm on my phone right now and I'm tweeting this. I'm not trying to say that it's going to happen, <laughs> but Brian Harson, for whatever reason, you know, you talk about Tyrone Crawford, defensive end, first round pick. And then you talk about Marcus Henry, fourth round pick, Demarcus Lawrence. Again, coached by this same coach, Cedric Wilson, Leighton Vanderesh, like all these guys, all on Dallas right now, all on Dallas. I think the only one who wasn't coached by him was Tyrone Crawford, but still six players out of Boise on Dallas, way more than any other any other team in the NFL. Maybe there are some ties there. It's fun. You heard it here first. Tank Bigsby, the next great Dallas Cowboys running back. And I know Ray would be proud of you, man. He's out there in in the area and he loves him some Tank Bigsby. So we'll we'll talk about that one. Hey, we'll we'll look back on this clip one day. It'll be be a special one right there. I love it. We're going to keep it moving here. I want to touch on the next big hire that we kind of were looking at. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to the guy you guys want to hear from today uh, and introduce uh, your new head football coach, Josh Heupel. He spent the last three seasons at UCF posting a 28 and 8 record. While his team finished in the top 10 in scoring each season, he's replacing Jeremy Pruitt, who just recently got fired for NCAA violations. He got the investigations and everything going on there. He actually follows his former UCF athletic director, Danny White, who was at UCF since 2015. And he's the AD that hired Hypo. So you don't see this. I was like, oh, you know, that makes sense. But looking back, you really don't see that happen very often. You don't see... ADs go and bring their guy with them. So that's a big deal. It makes you wonder, was that part of the hiring process? Did you know the president or, or whoever was in charge at Tennessee go, Hey, we need to fix offense so we can raise some more money for the school. Hey, AD, we're going to bring you on Danny White, but I need you to bring your boy Hypo and see what he can do with our offense. So, you know, it's, it's something to pay attention to. It's interesting. It is something that doesn't happen often. And I actually couldn't find another time that it did happen immediately. So uh, it can't be underrated. I think Hypo is going to have full support of the athletic department. Um, and, and that's big when you're uh, a school in the SEC. I think everybody's going to have to work together to have a chance. But what are your thoughts uh, quickly on, on Josh Hypo? And, and is he going to be a guy that can make it work offensively at Tennessee and start to turn that program around? Well, like you mentioned, right? And, you know, I'm not going to lie. You gave me the notes. So I'm going to tell you guys what's up with Hypo. 43 points per game, fifth in FBS, 542 yards per game. Think about that for a minute. That right there tells us everything we need to know about Tennessee and what it potentially could be. But the problem is, is that yes, they run the ball at a high clip. Uh, They're seventh in the country or sorry, seventh in FBS in rushing and eighth in FBS with 307 passing yards per game. It's still kind of hard to determine what are they going to be? We saw that there's players are transferring out of Tennessee because they're not sure what's going on with the investigations. Maybe they're going to lose bowl games. Maybe they're going to lose scholarships, all these different things that are going to impact the program. But they hired a coach that if he can recruit, if he can get it done, maybe Tennessee could become a passing powerhouse. Like we're talking about someone like Lincoln Riley coming to Oklahoma and just injecting that offense with just pure speed talent. We see him recruit top quarterbacks every year. I'm not trying to say he's going to be Lincoln Riley, but when you see the success that he had at UCF, we hope that that's what it could become. And so when you talk about players going there, going to a system that's extremely offensive friendly, it's one to watch going forward. And Ben, I'd love to hear your thoughts because when I think about it, it's like the sky's the limit in theory, 
but how much can we really expect? And is it really just we're wishing, hoping, and really just observing what happens at Tennessee kind of for the next two or three years? Yeah, I think it is interesting. I think you got to go after ceiling though. Like that's what this whole show is about. Elite seekers, you know, this is a type of strategy to go after a ceiling. So whether we're talking about a prospect or a system or a prospect in a system, this is a ceiling opportunity. Again, it mixes the SEC with a top scoring, top offensive mind. Now diving back a little bit farther on Hypo, you know, he comes from that Missouri program. He was an assistant. So he was already got a taste of the SEC and he had some really good years and he had some down years. So it wasn't like just automatic, but you'd like to think he grew and he has time to uh, adjust and he made some things work. So um, this will be interesting. There's guys, you know, Harrison Bailey is the first one that comes to mind. There's going to be quite the quarterback competition there. But if this does become a high scoring team or a team that <laughs> running back wise, we were looking trying to figure out who the heck is going to be the next running back at Tennessee. You know, Gray is gone. Chandler's gone. Who knows what's going to happen, but does a Harrison Bailey come in, win the job and just take off and really ascend. He's already a, a talented guy and he's in some people's top three in that class behind a Bryce young DJU, those kind of things. But I don't know. He's also got, you know, Caden Salter, four-star playmaker coming in, Hendon hooker grad transfer from Virginia tech. And then they got Brian Moore as well. So a guy with a little bit of experience. So you got guys with experience and then a, a much smaller, but very dynamic playmaker. So new coaching system. Don't really know where that's going to go. I think Harrison Bailey has the upper hand and I'd love to see him win that and see what he can do in that system. But it's a ceiling play. It really it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Really is. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet everything on it, but I definitely would check it out and find out who's going to win some of these these positions. Wide receivers, kind of all over the place. There, they got a decent recruit coming in, and Jalen Wright. He's intriguing. North Carolina sprinter. He's five eleven, hundred ninety five pounds. With nobody else around, man, Jalen is is electric on the field. It, he's broken North Carolina sprinting records. Is that speed going to translate to this system? I love how he finished some plays, even though he looks like more of an all-purpose back. I don't know. He's a guy to pay attention to. I got to check it out more. But spring practice is going to tell us a lot if there's any normalcy to it. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. 
Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think to your point about ceiling, like this is the type of situation where you look at certain quarterbacks in the NFL and we talk about it all the time. A lot of teams like to get their NFL quarterback first, then they build around him. You have to think about it the same way. They may take Harrison Bailey and he injures from this system and say, we want you to be the guy. Next thing you know, they bring in some weapons the following season. And all of a sudden in the next year or so, Tennessee's really starting to gain traction. And in three years, potentially they're a new powerhouse as far as offense in the SEC. Now there's a lot to be said about Tennessee and kind of what's going on there. The program's in transition right now, but it's definitely, like you said, one to watch because there's just so much intrigue. There's so much upside, so much ceiling. UCF is a smaller program. Now you take this system, make it high profile in the SEC. What can this guy do? What can he get done in the SEC? Or is he going to flame out like all these other SEC coaches we've seen? There's only so many that can hold down jobs for a long time. And is he going to be another cautionary tale or is he going to be a success story for the volunteers? Yeah, it's crazy. And, and when you're thinking about it that way, let's flip the script, right? So now we're talking about a well-known, well-established coach going from the SEC and taking Heupel's old role at the University of Central Florida, UCF. It's time to rise again. I want to introduce your new head coach, Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn, coming from Auburn, just got fired. But man, Gus spent the last eight seasons at Auburn posting a 68 and 35 record in a tough, tough league, recruiting against LSU and Bama all the time. That's tough. He took them to a national championship appearance and two other New Year's Six Bowl appearances. So it's not like he went there and just did, did nothing at all. This guy, he knows what he's doing. And I am excited to see the possibilities at UCF. Although he's not that high-end offensive mind, probably going to try to run it down your throat and, and really slow the game down with the defensive side of the ball. But he's replacing Hypo. So it's, it's completely a, a different philosophy. And, and we'll see what happens. You got quarterback Dylan Gabriel there, who is 2022 draft eligible. How does that make him look? What do you... What do you think about a quarterback like Dylan Gabriel, who has been boosted by this amazing offensive system and now goes to a coach that may or may not be a lot more conservative? And I think that's where I just have so much trouble trying to figure out this situation. But and this is why we have to have these conversations, because these coaches switch systems all of a sudden, like these players can be in completely new situations. That's why you see guys transfer. That's why we saw Eric Gray transfer. Maybe he didn't like what happened. Maybe he didn't know what's going on. But Dylan Gabriel is a very talented quarterback. He has a lot of a lot of raw talent, a lot of ability, and we saw that in the games at UCF. But now he's playing for a coach who likes to run the ball again, focused on that hard nosed, strong defensive line, really lean on that defense. That's where Gus Monzan is known for. So, what is Gabriel going to do? Is he going to throw for three hundred yards a game? How do we feel about those wide receivers now? All we really should expect is that potentially a running back will see a thousand yards or maybe even 1200 yards playing in an easier conference, but it's just, I don't know what to make of the, of the passing game now, because 
we saw what happened. Seth Williams basically underutilized in like the greatest fashion. He's extremely talented, but Bo Nix can't hit him. So he's not even recruiting good quarterbacks, even though Bo Nix was a five-star recruit. Clearly he didn't know what he was doing because Bo Nix, whether he couldn't develop him, whether he's not a good, or doesn't have people on the staff who can figure it out. That just never worked. It still hasn't worked. We don't know what's going to happen now, but it never worked with Bo Nix. You still have Anthony Schwartz. Guy is literally a burner in the 100 meters. I'm pretty sure he ran either at 10 seconds for the 100 meter or just above 10 seconds. He's one of the fastest players going to the NFL this year and still underutilized as as a talent. So how is Gus Malzahn going to curate all of these weapons that are producing at a very high level in this offense under a different coach and now introduce the system to them? And I think it's going to be at a detriment to the entire offense. I just don't see how they're going to keep up the same pace because that's just not the way that he operates as a coach. All right, Jay, man, I love that take. I think, um, you know, it's important, but I, I, you know, I had to save the biggest, the biggest head coaching change for last. This one just sent shockwaves uh, across, across all of college football, really, and across the Debbie community, campus can. I don't even know if people realize yet how important this could be for Texas, for the state of Texas, for Texas football. This is a school that has been in the shadows for way too long. And we know the type of recruits that are coming out of Texas. They just need someone that can keep them there and show them the way. And they might have found their guy. I'd like to introduce you to your brand new head coach, Coach Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian, the new head coach, a.k.a. Sark. This guy's journey is wild. Just wild. Back in the day, he was an assistant for Pete Carroll. My guy, Pete Carroll, you guys know I'm a Seahawks fan. He was with them at USC and eventually ended up becoming the head coach at the University of Washington, where he had some ups and downs. Like he was a guy, I remember when the news, the news places were talking about him coming in. It's like, here's Sark. He is so smart on offense. And he is the guy that's going to bring us back to a championship. First one since the early 90s and bring us back to the glory days of the purple and gold. But it didn't happen. He ended up posting a record of 34 and 29. But towards the end of his stint there, things started to turn around and it felt like, okay, okay. Like something good is, is brewing here. He's starting to get some big name recruits. Pete Carroll was in with the Seahawks. So they were tying in. They were doing a lot of stuff together publicly. That was cool. You know, the Seahawks were on fire in that time frame as well. But then USC came knocking. He's from Cali. They offered him the head coaching job. And of course, he's going to take it. That's a dream job for him. So he went down there in 2014. He accepted the role of head coach at USC. And unfortunately, he only lasted two years. He battled some demons, man. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stories out there that don't end as, as well as this one seems like it's going. But he ended up getting fired after two years um, for alcoholism. He missed some practices that were scheduled. There was a report of one practice. He showed up completely intoxicated. Players and coaches just sent him home, got him out of there, and that was it. They put him on leave shortly thereafter. Helton was named the new head coach, and that was all she wrote for for Sark. And it seemed like he was never going to be a coach again. He ended up taking about a year and a half off, and then Nick Saban came calling. Hey Sark, got an opportunity for you. I need you to come be an analyst for me. Come help me out. Let's see what you got. Let's see. You know, are you back on your feet? And man, did that work out well. A few months later. Uh, Lane Kiffin ends up leaving Alabama and Sark becomes the new coordinator. He only became the coordinator though, for one game. That was a national championship against Clemson. They end up losing a heartbreaker the next month though. Everybody's like, okay, I guess Sark's good. If Saban wants him, we want him. 
the Atlanta Falcons come calling, you're going to take that call. It's an NFL job. You want to break into that industry. You want to keep grinding. You want to keep growing. You're going to take it. He goes there two years. He has to follow up behind Kyle Shanahan. And we know what type of offensive mind he has shown us in the NFL. Uh, and once Shanahan went to the 49ers, Sark takes over the offense for the Falcons just completely tanks. Again, it looks like Sark's starting to fail. It's okay. Falcons fire him. Saban's right there to catch him again, makes him the offensive coordinator for the last two years. And you know how that ended up with the amazing national championship run this year. And Sark just looked the part, man. So how are you feeling? Like we talked a little bit about this crazy journey that he's had, but I really believe that that sets him up well to rebuild a program that is again in shambles and uh, has so much potential and such high, high hope. Yeah, man. But uh, it, it's funny you say that because I, I wouldn't tell a Texas fan that I think they'd be pretty mad in shambles. Oh man. Like the shambles, you know, man. those Texas boys out in Austin, they're proud. They proud of their longhorns. Yeah. They, they rep the longhorns, you know, hook them till I die. Yeah. But in shambles is the perfect way to describe shambles. it. You know, they haven't been able to get it going. And in the big 12 of all places, <laughs> Lincoln Riley just walks up in there and boom, overshadows everything Texas ever had. Now he's recruiting the best players, the best wide receivers, recruiting the best running backs. They are dying to get out of the shadow that they've cast over there at Oklahoma. And it is big. That red river rivalry cuts deep to all those Longhorn fans. But I do think Sark could be the guy. We really saw just how well he orchestrated that offense, Alabama. Yes, he has extremely talented players around him. We're talking about four, potentially five first round wide receivers that were playing on this one roster. Then again, another top five quarterback. Now Mac Jones going to the NFL, probably another, you know, top 15, top 20 quarterback recruiting one of the top quarterbacks in the country in Bryce Young. Unfortunately, you know, Bryce Young's going to have to play under a new coordinator that we all know and don't love. But this is about Steve Sarkeesian. And I think there's a chance he could revamp this program. And I'm curious your thoughts, Ben, on some of the players that you think may be able to take that jump. Now they're in a much better offensive system. Yeah, there's before I jump into the one that I'm like crazy, crazy excited about. And and it's no surprise out there because I've mentioned them before. But I want to touch on the potential quarterback situation here. Hudson Card or the experience of redshirt sophomore Casey Thompson. Okay. Mac Jones, let's rewind a little bit. Mac Jones is a guy that was on nobody's radar with Bryce Young coming in. Everybody said Bryce is about to win this job, myself included. Bryce is going to run away with this job. He is a Houdini on the field, just an absolute star in the making. He's fun. He's exciting. You check out his tape. You're enthralled. There's can't even list how many Bryce Young high school highlight tapes there are out there. All the different, all the different places are putting them out there and, and they're getting just millions and millions of views. He's just that dude. He just carries himself that way. But here's Mac Jones, the hard worker, the experienced one, the guy who steps up, understood the offense, takes the reins, still gets hated on by everybody. And he just keeps winning and winning and winning. And then you see the pictures of the dad bod and out there and all that fun stuff. Well, guess what? He ain't winning because of his six pack. He's out there winning because of his mind, his decision-making, his ability to run and just command that offense. I think command is the best word. So very, very intriguing situation because it feels like a similar spot for Texas with Hudson card, 
the guy that I've seen some college football analysts compare to a young Aaron Rodgers in terms of skill, where he can throw off platform. He just has amazing command of the football in the air. He can place it wherever he wants it, when he wants it. He's a playmaker. He's fun to watch. But now you have Casey Thompson, who was the backup last year. And he got a little bit of playing time. And he hasn't shown anything bad. So can Casey Thompson win this job and become sort of that unknown quarterback? I don't know. I don't know. I would love to see Hudson Card in a Sark offense for sure. Just like I would have loved to see Bryce Young. But I don't know now. This just feels like that type of situation. So I really believe this is a true 50-50 battle. Quarterback is extremely interesting to me. And it's going to be a big one. I think whatever quarterback gets this job, though, again, tying it back to Alabama, I hate to make all these comparisons, but I believe this is a big reason why Sark felt comfortable taking the job. Who is there? Mr. Najee Harris, that man, that beast, Bajan. That's a man. Robinson. This man is going to destroy whoever is in his way. And Jay Rich, we had a cool conversation because. You know, you see a lot of his running tape and he just he's just so fluid for his size and and he has great vision and he's so strong that you're not arm tackling him as a true freshman. But that was, you know, talking about <laughs> digging into his high school and, and seeing some of his catches. Well, they didn't put him on display a whole lot because he didn't play a, a ton and not near as much as I felt like he should have. Bet if he played a little bit more, the other coach might have been there. But let's we'll leave that to the side. <laughs> but. I'm going to tell you, Sark is all about getting the ball however he needs to, to his workhorse running back if they have the talent that a Robinson or a Harris do. So are you excited about the potential fireworks situation, the potential number one overall running back in Debbie, regardless of class? Like That's the potential we could see here. I'm, I'm feeling that type of way right now. What's your thoughts? Man, it's it's tough not to see that comparison. Like you said, the way that Sark talks about running backs, the way he wants to get them involved, don't get it twisted. He picked Texas for two reasons. He picked Texas because it's the biggest school in the country, arguably, when you talk about endowment and fandom and all these things. No matter whether you like Texas or not, they're always going to be Texas. Like Mm -hmm. That is a high-profile job that anybody would want. But the second reason why is Bijan Robinson. That's the anchor of that offense. We saw it with Najee Harris, extremely talented, talented running back. We saw what he did for the past two seasons under this Sark offense, how he caught the ball, how he was using the screen game, how well that team situated Najee Harris and really built the offense around him. We talk about all the wide receivers, but really it was Najee Harris that made that offense go. And he chose to come back. We're not really sure why, but all we saw was him dominate each and every week. And that's exactly what we're going to see out of Bijan Robinson. He's going to be the featured player in this offense, but there are other guys we need to be aware of because like I mentioned five, like four, potentially five first round wide receivers. It's not just talent. It's about what they were taught, what they learned, how great they are, and especially how they were used, right? That adds to everything that they understand. They know about football. And I think Sark can really, especially teach them some of the things that are going to help them develop and grow as they make their path to the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. If you guys check it out on YouTube, there's a really, really cool coaches clinic that Sark puts on 
and he, he talks about the passing game and he says, the running back is the least defended player on the field in the passing game. Okay. That just tells you. And then look back at what he did with Bama this year. Okay. Then he did an interview right after he got the job with ESPN. They said, do you have any problem giving over 20 carries a game or more to your running backs? He laughed and said, no, I don't. So he is looking for that true workhorse. He is, is the guy. Bijan is going to take him to the promised land. I'm pumped for this one. It's going to be crazy. Wide receivers. You got Jordan Whittington, right? Former five-star top 35 guy in the country. Big deal. Jake Smith, one of my favorite guys. We'll see what he can do. That was a guy that I expected to break out last year. We didn't really hear from him, right? Didn't really hear from him. You, you excited about these wide receivers? Because I think it has to work really well with his run game. Yeah, man. Those are the two guys that when you talk about freak athletes, like Jake Smith, apparently actually from Sam Ellinger said he ran under four or five and has under a four, two short shuttle. That is dynamic playmaking ability. And we saw what some of these, you know, maybe they're skinny, maybe they're short, maybe they don't seem that talented in open space, but whether it's Devonte Smith, the slim reaper, as Ray likes to call him now, just stealing that from Kevin Durant. I don't know if I agree with that, but then you talk about Jalen Waddle. Just burner, burner, Henry Ruggs, burner, Jerry, Judy, burner. Look at what these burners do out of the slot, whether it's Winnington, whether it's Smith. I think one of these guys, potentially both of them are going to have a role in this offense that we're going to want to pay attention to because we've seen what it leads to. It leads to high draft capital. And these guys are hell of a prospects, you know, whether they, you know, had some injury history, had some production issues early on in the past, but it's a whole new ball game now, whole new offense, whole new system. And wheels up for these guys who are draft eligible uh, next season. Man, I love it. Jay, thank you so much, man. I think, I think the people now understand why they have to pay attention to this coaching carousel. And the earlier they do it, the more set up for their drafts they're going to be. You know, everybody's going to be focused in those deep Debbie, those deep C2C leagues. You're going to be focused on the incoming freshmen, which we talk a lot about. We'll set you up for that too. But you might be able to find some diamonds in the rough in those different classes just because their situation changes. Okay. So you got to pay attention, but Jay, I appreciate you coming. This is the second one. I'm sure there's going to be many, many more. Uh, anything else you want to throw out there sure. uh, before we get out of here? I'm going to jump to the quote of the show, but I just want to give the floor to you real quick. Nah, man, I just want to tell you how great of a job you're doing with this show. Uh, me and Ray talk about it all the time and to the listeners out there supporting Ben, make sure you follow him. Make sure you like all this stuff, share with friends. Cause this guy, he's diving deep. He's diving deep for you. He's finding all these players. He's doing all the analysis, watching the tape, grinding the film. I'm just here to make him look pretty, man. That's it. I'm here to you know, <laughs> provide some commentary, a bit of insight, but this is the guy you want to follow. He's diving deep. He's doing a good job. So make sure you check him out. If you're not, uh, you're listening to his podcast. So you're interested, but dive deeper than that. He's, he's deeper than just a podcast. Trust me. Follow him. Awesome, man. I appreciate you, brother. And, and you know, we'll get you back on here real soon. So I'm going to end it here with the quote of the show. You know, I had to go with a hip hop artist because as I mentioned earlier, Jay is putting those lyrics out there on Twitter for you. So go and follow him. But this one is, is powerful. Death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside while still alive. Never surrender. That's by Tupac. Powerful words, man. You cannot give up. Never lower your bar. You got to keep going after. I know 
talked about how tough this past year has been. I'm with you. I've been there. I'm fighting through things. Me and Jay are talking about it. But you've got this. Don't lower your bar. Keep fighting. Keep rocking with us here at Elite Seekers. And uh, hit us up for anything you need. DMs are always open. Thank you. That's all we've got. Elite Seekers, out.